Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation's podcast that goes behind the scenes and more in-depth about each month's Chess Life magazine cover story. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which includes One Move at a Time on the second Tuesday of each month, where Dan Lucas talks to people who are advancing our mission statement, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, hosted by our women's program director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our assistant director of national events, Pete Cargianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's guest on Cover Stories with Chess Life is the author of our June cover story on the 2022 FIDE Grand Prix. Yes, our cover story. While there's been a lot of attention paid to our interview with Hikaru Nakamura in recent days, that interview, much as it personally pains me, is not our cover story. Vyekoslav Nemec, or Vyeko, as uh, I I just learned we, we should be calling him, is a Croatian candidate master and the main proprietor of the chess website chessessentials.com. We'll give you the spelling at the end of the podcast. When I put out the, t- the call on Twitter for an author to write about the Grand Prix for us, Fieco put himself forward, and after a bit of investigation, I was more than happy to hand him the project. Fieco's story in chess begins, as so many of ours does, in games with family members. But soon he really caught the bug, and after some trials and tribulations, he played in his first tournaments in college. After graduating with a master's degree in electrical engineering, he took his place in his field, but chess remained an itch that he could never quite scratch. So he began writing about the game on his website and on Quora.com. I think I pronounced that right. And if I didn't, who's listening? And he kept playing chess. In 2020, he took a job with Chessable as a content editor. Uh, Publications editor, actually, is the technical term. Uh, A job that many might see as a dream job. But this year in 2022, he left their employ to strike out on his own as an independent content creator. His Chess Life cover story is part of that work, and speaking purely as his editor, I think it bodes well for his future in our game and the game of chess writing and publishing. Vieco, welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life. Hi, John, and yeah, thank you for for having me. That was a Wow, I think a set of most beautiful things everybody has ever said about me. So yeah, it's a huge honor to to be here and then have my article published in your publication and, and let alone it being a cover story. So yeah, thank you for everything and happy to, to t- talk some chess. Outstanding. Well, let, let's get right to it. Let's talk about your cover story because you uh, wrote a, a, a very, very thorough treatment of the FIDE Grand Prix. Um, which, you know, I mean, such an important event just in terms of the chess itself, but also in terms of the way it's set up the candidates tournament, which is going to begin in just a few days. So, so tell us about your impressions of the Grand Prix, um, and, and, and what the writing process was like for you. Yeah. So uh, when, when I, when uh, I applied for the job and that when you, when we, after the preliminary discussions, I, I realized that, uh, yeah, that uh, that it will be tough to write about a tournament that is actually consists of a series of tournaments. So, so those of those listeners who don't know, a FIDE Grand Prix was a series of three events uh, where 
24 players in total competed for two spots in the candidates. So, yeah, it was a little bit tricky, but as all good writers know, you start by outlining your article. So I basically divided it into uh, each event and then uh, each event's group and then semi-final and final stage. And, and uh, yeah, somehow uh, it, it made I made it true. And uh, at first I was daunted, as, as, as you ever are when you start a new draft. But then I quickly realized that the event was so interesting and, and there were so many nice things and, and, and uh, human stories like a report uh, qualifying and some other other things to, to write about, some illogicalities maybe. So yeah, it was, as, as you know, as my editor, I went way overboard with the word count. So yeah, somehow it, I made it, yeah. You, it, you are definitely not alone in, in writers going over their word count. But <laughs> I, I can imagine, yes. <laughs> but um, but we 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 uh, rework parts of it, and um, and your analysis was um, uh, so. I mean, b- basically, you did fragments for like six games, I think, and then you mm-hmm. really you really did some good analysis on um, on on two of the games. And and I'm I'm curious, you know, I mean, you are you are a very strong chess player. You're about twenty two hundred feet a. Um, you are continuing to work on your game. That's something we'll talk about later, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. what, is it, what is it like to try to annotate the games of some of the greatest players in the world? Well, uh, I mean, uh, as some, like, uh, it, it's of course tricky and you're always, um, you know, a bit curious and try, trying to be modest because you know that objectively a lot of things that is happening in such a game way, it goes way above your head. But somehow with the modern engines and with the databases, it is, I think, possible a little bit to fill in those blanks to a certain extent. Um, now, now, there is, of course, a lot of danger when when it comes to an- analyzing those games in that way that you fall as a victim to the engine and that you blindly follow uh, the evaluations and then annotate on the basis of these evaluations. But in my process, I always try to uh, go and understand as much as uh, as much as of these lines as possible. So, for example, if there is uh, if there are two s- s- parts of the game where the same line works, then I always try to click it uh, to click two parallel lines and then compare to really understand why in one position one move works and the other doesn't. So, so yeah, I'm not once again pretending that I caught all the details and all the all the all the like intricacies of such a tense games, but I. I tried to do my best. And also uh, listening to something we are blessed in this day and age is having access to players' thoughts and interviews that also helps to pinpoint critical moments, uh, see what lines such a strong player, but still human player considers compared to what engine does. Because in many positions, engine will give 0-0, zero, zero, but uh, as, we was, as we have seen in, for example, game between Rapport and Andrik in that ultimate we brought uh, rapport the candidate spot that zero zero is a very topsy turvy field and and there are a lot of things and goals to consider behind that innocent number so to speak. Yeah, I I, I really liked how you married um, engine analysis and and you know I I, I mean you know I, I went through and I, I checked it to the best of my ability and with my with my silicon friends assisting me um, and it was very accurate but you you did a very good job of also you know tying in. Um, the thoughts that were expressed in the press conference, uh, which is, I mean, you're right. It's such a goldmine for those of us who, who work in chess to be able to, to have the, the thoughts of the players so quickly afterwards. Um, but you also, yeah, you, you, you did a really good job, I think, of explaining why certain moves didn't work and, and trying to do it from a very human perspective. So um, I, I suspect people who, who see it in the magazine, they, they may say, wow, that, you know, that analysis is very deep. 
Um, but it's also very readable, and and that, that's 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 a tough thing to pull off. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I mean to be fair, uh, like um, in my work with Chesapo, that's something that like, I, I mean I was always kind of aware of it. But I think that if the, like there are many things I learned when working for Chesapo, but one thing that I got really really uh, more sen- sensitive for is um, how much how how good annotations are are valuable not only in game analysis but in books in courses and everything and and I always like that's one experience that I always try to implement in in virtually a- anything I do and and I I know that I appreciate it when I'm reading a book that's very well explained uh rather than that has just some brief notes so so yeah I'd always try to emulate that approach even though it's sometimes not like in, in with so many lines you always sometimes might fall into the victim of using chess cliches like oh white is better with compensation or something but but yeah i always try to to ask myself why something doesn't work and then to explain it that's that's my approach so two players uh hikaru nakamura and richard report qualified for the candidates and at this Mm -hmm. point we are we're we're 10 days out from the from the first moves being played in in madrid right i think yeah yeah, yeah, in madrid Madrid. yeah it's in spain yeah so what looking ahead what what are your what are your thoughts and feelings about the candidates do you do you have do you have a favorite in mind do you think anyone might surprise us Oof, well uh well, like it's a very tough question uh, i think I, I listened to a lot and i mean if you want to go the the conventional way i i think you have to pick one of the big three so to speak Dink, Caruana, or uh, avireza although i personally would maybe give more preference to Dink and Caruana purely because of their experience. Uh, but okay, like in Avereza is the world's number three, I believe. And and um, yeah, I mean, you can't just count him out, but I'm, 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 I'm giving, I would, if I had to put my money on somebody, I would put on the former two. But yeah, I mean, it's such a stacked field, like Nepomniachi still has all the world uh, championship prep. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like even, even some dark horse, maybe like Rapport, even though he didn't have such a good outing in the latest tournament, but he can maybe, if he comes at his best and he's somewhat unpredictable, he may be a, a surprise. So yeah, maybe in that order. I, I don't think uh, Rajab of Nakamura or uh, who, who is the eighth one? Am I, uh, who am I missing? This is... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't get it from the top of my head. But but okay, the, the yeah, this is a bit <laughs> embarrassing. But the eighth candidate, I don't think they are they are they have that many chances. Although we will find out when the tournament starts. I mean, if, if we're struggling to remember it, it, may, yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it doesn't bode well. Um, I, I'm curious, where will you be following? Uh, where will you be watching the candidates? Do you, do you have a, pre, a, a a a platform of choice? Um. Uh, I mean, whenever I'm watching a tournament, I usually check the games on my own, either on WeChess or Chess24 or on my phone app. But usually for these big big events, I I yeah I decide on a stream. Uh, I'm not I haven't yet followed who will comment it on Chess.com or Chess24, but I usually do one, uh, one of those. So it's very likely that I will do one of those the big ones. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I always uh, you know sometimes. There are these like somewhat lesser lesser streams, like uh, I don't know. Even Fida sometimes has good uh, commentators. Uh, Saint Louis has good commentators. So yeah, I will wander around Twitch most probably, but m- most likely Chesscom or Chess Twenty Four will be my my main 
in main stations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw. Um, I, I don't know if you're aware. I saw Kromnik is going to be commentating for uh, Levitov chess for. Um, oh. So that, that in might Russian be Russian or English. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's in English, but I'm not sure. Um, okay. That, yeah. Then there's yeah. As I said, so my girlfriend. Well, we understand that it's uh, Vladimir Kramnik first, you second, and then everything else in my life. So, so I'm really. A big, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, she's a chess player, so she understands it. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, I I got to sit in on a a course he did for American players uh, through the Pacific Northwest Chess Center, mm-hmm. um, and it was like twelve hours on the Italian. And mm-hmm. and um, I had hoped to write an article about it, but then life got in the way, and, and the, the the article. But but getting to hear him talk about, I mean, you know, opening positions that he understands so well, uh, and and uh, I mean, is 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 he underrated? Do you think in the history of chess, <laughs> is, is is it possible that he's underrated? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's hard to say. Hard to say. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he wasn't um, like he wasn't. Um, let's say, so dominant, uh, let's say, as, as maybe Magnus Kasparov or, or somebody else. But yeah, I think his contributions and, and like his uh, touch when it comes to opening theory, I think like top players may appreciate him more than the average user. I remember there was a period in two, two, 2000s when I was very frequent uh, guest on chessgames.com. There was a lot of uh, hate going on on Kramnik because apparently he was some maybe having a series of draws, or that was maybe directly after his match against Leko, which had a lot of draws, a lot of draws. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, uh, and then people were writing some Dravnik, Dravnik jokes. I remember it was a lot of it. So yeah, I don't think he's a fan favorite, but I mean, I, I did get the chance to meet him via Chessobo and I've got the chance to meet a lot of top players, but with him, I was like star stuck on a completely different level. I don't know, like maybe also because of the age difference, but I was just like, uh, yeah, it, it, there was certain aura and char- charisma that that it's not uh, you don't encounter it every day. So yeah, yeah. it's it's I, I kind of feel like he, he's underappreciated in the same way that Anand is. Although um, I, I guess with with Anand's recent results, maybe he's he's getting a little bit of a little bit of love right now uh, for mm-hmm. for playing mm-hmm. so well. But uh, yeah, yeah. Kramnik, I mean, goodness, I, you're right. The opening contributions alone um, would, would warrant a place in the Pantheon. Um, yeah, let, let, let's sort of go back a little bit. Let, let's go back to your beginning in chess because I, I, I went and read some of your story on your own website. And mm-hmm. and I think it was a, a very long piece on Quora.com. Um, and you talked about how you got started and... The process, I think, will, will seem familiar to some of our American listeners, but some of the specifics, given living in Europe, living in Croatia, um, are, are a little different. So, so how did you mm. how did you get started? What what were your first steps in our in our beloved game? Well, uh, yeah, I always I don't really recall when and how, why or when I learned chess. To be completely honest, but uh, I think my dad taught me the rules. But he was never like he was literally never a chess player. He he maybe knew the rules and that's that. And and we played some games. And and my dad has this tendency to get really nervous when he loses at something. So that that and since he's a really bad player, I think I remember one time he overlooked like a back rank mate, and then we stopped playing <laughs> or something like that. But uh, my cousin was a let's say junior player, and my uncle 
was and still is a, an enormous chess fan. Like uh, I remember he had a, a copy of uh, Kasparov's Great Predecessors, like in, in translation in Croatian, but he read it so much. He took it everywhere. He took it to Bath and everywhere. And then it was like completely like uh, destroyed, but still, you know, he, he just read it. Like, like it looks like some book from 30s when he had it, but so like yeah, yellow and then destroyed. But yeah, that, so th- those were some of early recollections. But uh, I never played chess as a, as a kid. Uh, I was in some in table tennis and some other sports. And then when I arrived into high school, I started playing more. Like uh, I mean, first of all, I got I had some books from my cousin and uncle. But then I also and I started I read read quite a few books already in my youth. But and then when I arrived in high school, I wanted to play. But I remember my mom phoned one chess club and asked, "Hey, do you have some sort of program for?" not kids or somebody like him. And and two or three places said, oh, no, he's too old. We don't need somebody like that. Which to my mind is like, it's such pity and it's getting a little bit better. But it's a pity that that most clubs here are only interested in, I don't know, complete youths and, and that you don't have programs for older youths or for even for adult improvers uh, because I think many people are in the same situation. So let me, let me stop you and, and ask about the, the difference with clubs because I think I think in America, most chess players are familiar with like a membership club where something like the Marshall Chess Club in New York or mm-hmm. the Mechanics Institute in San Francisco where you you pay a fee to be a member and then you can go and play tournaments and that's really all there is to it. I mean it, it's it's you know it's it's a physical location and you play chess and that's it. Mm-hmm. But in Europe uh clubs are quite often associated with large sporting clubs. So, you know, uh in Germany in the Bundesliga a lot of the top teams are they also have, you know, uh, uh, incredibly strong football teams, like the, mm-hmm. you know, some of the best teams in in Europe. Uh, Baden, mm-hmm. Baden, well, I don't know about Baden Baden, but uh, I'm I'm not as up on my German football as I'm on English. So, <laughs> um, but it, how how does it work in Croatia? The, these clubs you're talking about were they were they standalone clubs? Were they clubs for juniors? Are they are they affiliated with other sporting clubs? How, how does it work? Mm, yeah, so most of no no we don't have this affiliation with. Uh, with clubs, so basically you have clubs that are either affiliated with uh, the place, like the, the the city or the municipality or whatnot, or you have clubs that are tied to some companies, uh, which was maybe most more prominent in the past. So companies would fund their clubs, um, and and then they would get to play. Uh, but um, the thing is that like you, you don't really have like specific uh, clubs for juniors or for seniors or something. You basically have like uh, clubs that may or may not have their own. Most of the time, they have some sort of uh, place to play, and then they compete in leagues. And then and and that's basically it. Like very ra- very rarely, like most of the clubs operate that way. They have a senior team, and then. Um, and that's basically it. No children program, nothing. And and yeah, and then every only a few clubs have like a regular youth programs and 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 stuff like that for for broader audience. But it's not, for example, a thing at least nowadays that you have clubs where where or at least not customary that you have club where you have like okay every Saturday we have an in, in club tournament or open doors every day since seven to ten. So it's not like you can go every day to a club and play some chess or meet somebody. Most In most places, it just doesn't work that way. And yeah, it's a little bit of a pity. So so you started playing in some of these clubs. Was this was this in college or? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a coincidence because uh, I, when I was 19, so, so after that, I, I kept playing only online. 
And then when I was 19, I, I went to some pub quizzes here in Zagreb. And on one of these pub quizzes, I met a guy who is a chess arbiter. And he and I was like, hey, like, do you know, are there any like, chess tournaments out there? Can you go and play? And he said, yeah, yeah, there are a few Buddhist tournaments in Zagreb. You can go and play. And then I started, you know, going to, through that scene. And uh, and yeah, like we after approximately a year, uh, I met a guy who who asked me if I wanted to join their club. So I was not registered. Like you can join these tournaments without being registered or anything. And then I registered at the federation for the club and played in like fifth Croatian league. And uh, and then and then I played my first open and and never looked back. Basically, like after that. And and so you're, you're you're playing chess and you're learning and 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 you're reading a lot of books, which I, I do want to talk about, but we'll, we'll save mm-hmm. that for a bit when we talk about um, uh, improvement. Uh, sure, sure. But then, you, so you 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 ended up getting a master's degree in electrical engineering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of school, a lot of work, and and almost yeah. immediately, um, as, as I was reading your story, you you, you felt the fit wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of. I wouldn't say maybe it was immediate. I had a feeling that maybe it was a feeling that kind of uh, compiled throughout the last two years, and then it, after after I graduated, it kind of suddenly hit me. And it was also a coincidence because I remember two days after my graduation, I went to play an open tournament in in Serbia in Novi Sad. And there I met uh, for the first time Stepan Tomic, who is now the owner of Hanging Ponds Channel, and he's like, uh, and he was already having these all these un- unconventional different plans for for his future. And for me, it was like uh, you know I was a little bit struck because I never thought that way, and I was a little bit that uh, I was a little bit surprised how nobody ever in like how I never encountered anybody who can give me that kind of information hey maybe there is there is possibilities possible outside of your you know maybe going you know the standard plan high school college marrying two kids dog house is not for everybody or there are at least different opportunities so when when throughout conversations with him like that was the first time when i was like hmm okay but maybe maybe there is maybe i can try doing something else on the side and see how it goes like like i, I didn't even have plans back then to to you know this would turn this into my career i just said yeah well i like writing i like chess let me just start a blog and see how it goes yeah that was basically how and, it went and so you did you you started this blog uh, uh chess essentials in, in Ch- chess essentials yeah, tw- chess of- I, I always want to pronounce the extra one. That's why we're going to give the spelling <laughs> yeah. at the end. Yeah, the, it, because it's it's punny, quote yes. unquote. So yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you started this in in 2016, right? Yeah, yeah. That was very soon after my graduation. So, and yeah. and and there is, I mean, there is a lot. There is a lot of writing there. Interviews, um, discussion of books. Uh, are you are you a French player? Is that why there's a discussion of the French? Uh, no, I'm not. It was more like, okay, this seems like a good SEO slash, uh, you know, to- good good set of topics. Uh, so uh, that that was a, supposed to be start of the series that I never finished, or that I will maybe get back to at some point. That, well, yeah, yeah, this is this is it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I definitely, I think, I think people should should go check this out. But I, I wanted to ask you before we get there, before we sort of talk about mm-hmm. um, the the blog a little bit more, and then and then you know going to work for Chessable. Th- there there was a quote. That you had on in in a in a long, a long piece on Quora.com, where you sort of told your story about your 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 quarter life crisis, which I I, I mm. love because, I mean it, you know I and you also you write about psychology like you write about um, 
on, on, a, on a different website, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah another another hobby horse of mine that is currently uh, a little bit on hold. But yeah, at some point I also I mean I wouldn't say psychology because it's more like pop psychology. Slash, right. And well, I don't want to say it's life advice, but kind of that category. But not. But really but I, th- I, th- I think it's important, and, and and the reason I say this is that, um, you know, uh, men of a certain generation are are told that they're not supposed to feel things. Um, you know, I mean, I I think about the difference, I mean, you know, um, look, I'm, and, and I I think anybody who knows me, uh, will, will already knows this, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who cries at the drop of a hat watching a Disney movie with my kid. (laughs) Um, you know, but, but, but my father, you know, like the talking about his feelings was not something that he would ever do. And, and Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's really important for people to, to be frank about, the life challenges they face. And, and, and you did that. And, and I was so, I was so impressed with, with the way you explained your feeling about your, 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 your profession and your passion and how they didn't intertwine the way you wanted them to. There was Mm -hmm. one quote that I was curious about. Um, You said something along the lines of, of working on improvement and your rating stagnating. And, and you said, you know, I mean, here's the, here's the quote. I mean, if I'm not improving, then what is the point? Should I just play chess for the sake of it? What the fiddlesticks? Because, you know, we can't say that word. Yeah, I know. Do you still feel this way? Do do you still feel like there's no point in playing if you're not improving? Uh, It's a a, a tough question. Like, no, no, I don't. Uh, But it's something that I'm struggling a lot. Like, like really, really struggling to, to comprehend. Like, my emotional and uh, logical brain are not not on the same page with it like i know logically that that it, there is but uh but yeah like yeah like that sounds like something that i'm working on my ter- and therapy so I, I i don't think i think when i was writing it, it in that time i think it was maybe came off too strongly because you know for the for the dramatic effect of the article but uh yeah i think it's more of like a struggle like i i know it shouldn't matter but every now and then you you get uh you get uh you know, wound up by it, and I don't know. After a bad tournament, I have this feeling: uh, oh, like was it all worth it? So what else I could have done? Or, or even even after bad sessions online, like as I, as I spoke on other places, I, I I can be get extremely toxic online, which is not something I'm proud of. But uh, and I'm trying to work on it, but only because of that feeling of of um, let's say not improving. And I think that's one of the dangers because I will see, see a lot of people outside like constantly obsessing over improvement and and you know uh, setting some of those goals and and then I think it's a little bit dangerous and I, I, I have managed to break away a little bit from that attitude and I still get back to the game but and, and I don't I think it's worded way too strongly now that I hear it from the other person but yeah there is still some some truth in it and I'm still struggling to figure out how 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 best to, to deal with that especially since for example once one day you get old and you older or, and maybe you're rating and like there, there is no realistic or not very realistic chance that you improve or more likely you will start dropping down. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried how that will reflect on my willingness to play. And, and I actually see many people who stop playing after a certain point precisely because of that thing. Yeah. The, the, I was, I was actually, I was going to ask you about this later, but I feel like this is a good time to bring it up because okay. I mean, you know, you, you went to work for Chessable you you were working on chess all day for your day job. You 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 now are uh, an independent content creator. You're coaching. You're writing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it make you hate chess a little bit? 
I mean, and, and the reason I say that is, is <laughs> like, we are both blessed that, that we are able to do for our jobs, what we love. But the downside is that you don't have a hobby anymore. Like you, your, your passion is now your job. So you stare at it all the time. And then when the day is done and you want something to do that's fun, it's like, wait, I, I can do more chess. <laughs> I just did this all day. <laughs> I, I feel this way. I'm, I'm curious about whether or not you do. Well, I, I, not necessarily, or at least not yet. So, because uh, when I was working for Chessable, um, the, it wasn't like, you know, you were around chess, but you weren't exactly looking at chess. Um, especially since uh, you, you met, like, I, at some point I switched from being like content editor to being sort of a, in a managerial position. And, and then it completely changed. And I was like always having this debate um, and with my colleagues, like, or with my boss, I was talking, hey, I, I would like to do more chess. So, so I didn't quite get that sentiment uh, there. And now that, I mean, I've been only doing this freelance thing for very shortly. So it, maybe I didn't yet get the time to to hate chess but no i don't have problem because i somehow managed to distinguish between you know writing about chess or preparing materials for my student with with my own work i, I don't know like i i can never get get sick of it uh so so like i i don't have that issue i i'm more prone to hating chess because sometimes i i'm not like because of what said earlier, like maybe I don't know. Instead of doing one hour of tactics, maybe it would be better for my well-being to go out and hang with a friend, or, or you know, and and find, it's more like in the context of finding balance. Or for example, when you have to go to a tournament and take seven or eight days most of the time, then you're like, okay, so now I'm going somewhere where my happiness depends on how good I I'll do. Why why like maybe it would be better if I actually took a proper holiday. But those kinds of questions are something that constantly goes in my mind but yeah hating chess I, I haven't yet gotten there but we'll see maybe yeah <laughs> I, I i may have been putting it too well i don't know if i was putting it too strongly there are days when i mean you know i i just yeah i, I can't even look mm-hmm. at a board but but that's okay too and i i think that that's I, I like the way you put it that's that sometimes you just need to you know figure out the balance and yeah uh, and, and and that's hard that's hard to negotiate um so let's talk about your time at Chessable because you you know you're working you were writing, um, and then in 2020 you 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 went to work for Chessable. So so for people who are not aware, um, if there's anyone left who is not, uh, what what is Chessable and and what did you do uh, in your time with them? Yeah, so so Chessable is a. Oh, that the comp- it's, it's so difficult to tell to people in one word, but especially if they are not playing chess. But okay, I assume all the listeners are. But basically, Chessable is a company that uh, sells digital chess products or chess courses, right? Uh, and uh, the, the unique um, software that they are using to enhance the studying of these courses is the so- is based on the spaced repetition. It is called Move Trainer. So I. I did I explain it correctly? I guess I have. And uh, what I did there, so I got a job. So I got a job offer there after I published the course there, uh, because then I I got acquainted with the software and and some aspects of of course publishing. And then, and then back in the time they were relatively small and still growing, so I got a direct job offer, and I started working there. So first I was working at as the content editor, uh, which means that. Uh, all the uh, so we Chesso has a team of people who work together with authors to to bring the content to the platform. So all the courses you see are not directly put from 
some PGN into cores uh, by authors themselves in the majority of the time. And, and okay, there's also other aspects of that job. And then at some point I, I got promoted to, to a publishing manager. So that man, meant that I was uh, directly into contact with the authors. I was kind of, yeah, um, reaching out to potential new authors, uh, yeah, participating in, in, in different types of meetings, collaborating with different departments, and yeah, basically leading a team of editors to coordinate the job. So what what do you think the, the, the most exciting project you worked on at Chessable? Of course. Oh, Kramnik, yeah. <laughs> how to think, uh, thinking at chess, uh, how to guide, so, probably, yeah. So I- explain, if someone were to look at that course, what what would they, I mean, the, the, there there's text, but there's also video, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's Kramnik explaining explaining basically his thoughts and explaining the moves and and the the interesting thing is that it's synced up to the tra- to synced up to the board so that when you when you move in the video it whatever he's talking about is reflected on the on the on the board correct yeah, yeah it's true so so basically all chessable courses they have uh like most of them nowadays have also the video uh instruction uh, accompanying the text material and and they are there there is this technology that allows you to sync the video so basically uh you can click uh you can very quickly reach the point in the video where certain variation is discussed. Uh, now, for Kramnik's course, it was a little bit non-standard because it was not an opening course and uh, a certain dose of creativity by the editor was required to fit it to to kind of suit the chessable in, in the best way. So it was not a very straightforward, let's say, linear task as as many course, as some courses are. But and, and also, I mean, but just again, just talking to Kramnik and, and getting his emails and, and his voice messages was kind of, it, it was a surreal experience. But uh, as I said, I was, I was never so starstruck. Yeah. But I mean, but there are many other projects, and yeah, it was really, really cool to to be able to talk to many, many top players, like from from the seat, seat of my home in Croatia. It was yeah, didn't didn't think it would come to that. Yeah, Let, let's talk a little bit about about the the strengths of the chessable platform and and some of its its potential weaknesses. Um, mm-hmm. it, sure. it sounds like you 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 hit on one of the first ones, which is that. It's very well suited for things you need to drill. So opening theory, um, endgame theory, uh, and, and, and maybe tactics, like spaced repetition on tactics would seem to be a natural fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But increasingly, I'm seeing products there that, that don't seem to fit that paradigm. So, uh, you know... Um, uh, I think we we mentioned we talked briefly on, offline about Shershevsky, um, mm-hmm. Shershevsky's Endgame strategy book, the new one that just came out from you in chess. Yeah, is is that is that a product that translates as well to the to the platform as some of the others? Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I would. I would say that you definitely get let's say more value out of Move Trainer itself, uh, rather from uh, or when you study maybe some other type of content but then again and, and i personally i think i have read only one book myself uh, on chessable that wasn't opening so i mostly use it for openings and for for some end games indeed but uh, but some people actually do enjoy having a convenient way to go through a book uh, online i would say for such a books um 
for such a book, their main strength is the convenience and the in the the ability to go to be able to go through them in a digital form uh, without the need to use the chessboard and such. Uh, so so yeah, I I would agree that that uh, maybe I mean okay for some people maybe move trainering that is fun or or, or it, uh, it it makes some sense but yeah from I I don't think that necessarily is the biggest strength uh, for that type of content yeah. So I I think you you kind of hit on what seems to me to to be the the the, the value of, of Chessable for a lot of chess publishers is that it gives them another another uh, potential. Uh, revenue stream mm-hmm. you know and 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 one that is hard to pirate um one one that is hard to you know i mean th- there are websites where you can go and you can find just about anything in the chess world and and i you know i, I do not recommend them but yeah. they, they exist and it's it's you know chessable it seems has given publishers a, a relatively secure way to present material and and to and to create a, a new form of revenue from it and that, that seems important. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, and to be fair, like in, in, with with some some of this content, like you know, definitely for some people, adding a, a video instruction to the book it does provide some extra value. And okay, I'm not, I won't even make a claim that this happens for every book, but but, but some books, a lot of effort goes, uh, or, or some effort goes into trying to um, uh, trying to make them more adapted to chess above in in terms of um, how how the uh, exercises for the move trainer are itself are uh, picked from the material, how it's structured, reorganized, and, and such. So, 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 yeah, we, there is some effort and there is some conscious, you know, awareness that um, I mean, at least, at least when I was there, it was uh, uh, to to try to, to try to adapt it. Uh, uh, and of course, there are hits and miss in this category. Like for example, I think. Um, um, mastering chess strategy uh, by, by Helston and, and this whole series also by Helston was very well received because because his book was very well suited because it had uh, like learning section and then exercises section and then, then it was very easy to to separate those two contents and to provide something else once again whether you want to move trainer uh, that kind of content or not is up to you, but yeah, that, like there are set. The, most people are not aware that there are settings in the move trainer, so you can minimize the amount of repetitions and you can play around with those settings. Uh, so, so, so yeah, there's yeah. I, I think it does offer some value. Whether it's for everybody, I don't know. Whether it's the most effective way of learning chess material, I'm not sure. But I mean, it, it is a possibility, and there is a level of convenience in it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me zoom back a bit. Um, you know, my my friend John Watson, who who interviewed me last month for this podcast, mm-hmm. um, he he was writing um, in his latest column for ChessPublishing.com on the French defense. He was writing about um, how how critical it is these days to check what chessable authors are saying in, in, in positions. And so he gave an example from uh, Geary's work on the French defense. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, Geary found this move in the Tarash uh, that, that, you know, was, was virtually unknown before he recommended it. Now it's virtually the main line. There's definitely a chessable effect on, and, and, and again, I'm, you know, I know you, you don't work for them anymore and um, I don't want to keep going on this, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about this as just a, a someone who's interested in the chess world and, and the things mm-hmm. that are changing is the gamification of chess learning changing the way people play chess. You think, is it, is the idea that you can, you can 
break it down into quantifiable tasks, you know, like, like we see so many adult improvers trying to do, is, is that changing the way that, that people study and play? And, and, and if so, is there, is there an effect on, on, on the way the game, on, on the way, on the moves they choose? D- does it, does this make sense? Mm. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're trying to say, but um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a little bit hard to to say whether it's um, how much of this effect is due to like gamification and how much it's purely to technological progress and and ability to to like this type of digital material everywhere. Like what what I what my experience is to an extent more than playing online rather than in Croatia because many people in Croatia are not that uh, into technologies and chessable and stuff is that the average club player is much more booked up I, I would say like I know that I I know way too much theory for, for somebody of my level uh, and, and I think for some people it's it's even worse uh, so, so I would say but whether people approach it differently I don't know I think they, they're more, more likely to follow some recommendations and follow them blindly without maybe exploring on their own that, that would be my um, especially like younger generations or those who do indeed follow chessable courses or, or other sources of material so so yeah so is it j- just to just to try to explore that just for a second um, mm-hmm. so a young player who you know does a lot of tactics on chess tempo or lead chess or you know, does the woodpecker method on, on chessable or something like that and gets all their openings from, from chessable or from a Lee chess study or, or things like that. It, is there a sense maybe that, that some of the, the understanding is, is harder to, to get at in that sort of, in, in that sort of training structure? Oh, well, I mean, compared to what, uh, because like, like what? What would what would happen if it wasn't there? Like like I, like I don't know. Like I mean, for example, if you like if you take some ten year old and and let's say you told him fifteen years ago to work on on opening theory, what would they do? They would maybe open a books book. I'm, if they, I'm I'm telling if they are doing it without the the trainer, right. uh, they would open a book and then they would maybe go through some lines. They would probably find it a little bit more boring. Uh, and I'm still a little bit skeptical how much understanding. They, they would get uh, and uh, nowadays it may be just accelerated be- or more pronounced because because there it is more convenient and more people are doing doing that kind of thing I, I think that uh, you know experience playing and coaching can like that's the best way of trying to foster understanding uh, but it also kind of depends on what material you have uh, you have uh, in front of you because some courses that explain very well make it a little bit and, and maybe are more tailored for you or provide some more additional understanding based content are more suitable for fostering understanding but uh, yeah i would say it's more that with mindless repetitions you you are in danger of of being dissociated with the understanding or asking yourself even less questions but for example for kids i mean isn't that like a long standing thing that kids know theory well and see tactics and don't understand position of chess I, I don't think it's maybe it's more pronounced nowadays but i don't think it's a novel concept introduced by new tools yeah, yeah. no i i think i think what was prompting me to ask this is is that you know you, you see people online who who are proud to have like a 2500 rating on, on one of the platforms in tactics, but are rated a thousand in games. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, for some reason there seems to be a disconnect between the type of skill that is needed to, to, to solve tactics or to learn them in the way that we're trying to learn them now. And, and the kinds of results that you get in games. And I, you know, th- this is not something we're going to solve today, but, 
but it's something I've been trying to figure out because it's, it's, you know, I mean, you're right. Any, any technological innovation will bring some sort of disruption. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in the chess world, I think there've been three, there's been the informant, there's been chess base. And, and now there is, you know, the, the digital technologies uh, and Mm -hmm. the digital platforms and, we're we're witnessing something changing, but I I still I, I don't I feel like we haven't quite gotten a grasp on what that looks like yet. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's kind of hard to, to to get to the root of it. I mean, I think uh, like one thing that I kind of want to say uh, in, in the defense of these new tools and in chessable, it is true that uh, they have made some things more fun, and uh, and that's like you know. There is this sentiment somehow in 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 the world of chess that oh if you are if you want to be hardcore you need to just uh, you know read Voretsky and you know approach the Soviet school of chess and not have <laughs> yeah. any that you know Butvinik said don't play blitz I think it's a little bit too hardcore and I like the fact that you know it it's a convenient and b like it it, it is kind of fun now of course yeah, there are definitely dangers to to, to it and I think it's. Uh, up to each uh, individual to to find some sort of mix or or or, or with help of somebody, especially when the, with young kids. I don't think any of this will be like the new cure. And and yes, you're definitely correct that there is there is some mismatch. Maybe because there are so many options that new players don't really know uh, how to go about it. Like they maybe watch a few videos and on YouTube, and then they pick up some tactics, and then they, everybody says just solve tactics, and it's a very they, they have unrealistic expectations because they they suffer from Dunich Kruger that you can simplify chess and then become a good player. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's a phenomenon that that is yet unfolding, and then we'll see how it will be in like five years from now. Well, you're going to play yeah. a part in this because you are you are now uh, you're now working. Uh, you you've struck it on your own. You're working as a as a coach. You're doing writing. Let, let's talk a little bit about your your coaching first. Um, mm-hmm. So you you are an active coach, and so people if if they want to reach out to you, can they do that? Yeah, sure. I, I I'm active on Twitter on WeChat, and and yeah, we are email. So so yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm, I mean, active coach is a strong word. I'm still at the beginning of my path, but uh, yeah, I have a few students, and I'm I'm working daily on on, on trying to f- be a better coach and to have better materials. So, well, so yeah. What what do you emphasize in in your lessons? Uh, well, I'm. I, it's hard. To, like, uh, depends on the student. I think it dep- like depends on. On on what ki- what kind of level they are, what exactly do they have? So I, full disclaimer: I coach up to two thousand, and that's like my highest rated players students. So now is around seventeen, eighteen hundred. So I'm trying I'm trying to kind of uh, 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 explain how to think in chess, and also I'm I'm emphasizing uh, the combination of fun and and utilitarity. So so what I usually do after assessing some uh, my students' games and maybe some weaknesses, I uh, I provide them with some sort of study plan that incorporates my lessons and a lot of independent work. And and yeah, maybe if I have to answer what I emphasize is independence because I think that uh, taking lessons and then expecting the coach would do all the work for you is wasting money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having done some coaching, that is, I, I think that's the number one thing people need to understand is you, you mm-hmm, have to work mm-hmm. yourself. Otherwise, it, it you're just paying somebody to sit there with you while you study. 
Yeah, so, so but yeah, let's say I would try to um, say that I'm trying to foster thinking and understanding. Uh, because, like, for example, if you if you want if we are working on some opening, uh, which is uh, by the way something that I always uh, let my my pupils do. For example, if let's say you study Karokan, I would say, okay, do prepare one file weekly, maybe then drill it with Chesel, but also check Marcelo Rio's structures to see how Karokan structure is played. Because I think do or check some model games or whatever. Because I don't, I think, uh, yeah, seeing. That, that kind of things is immensely helpful. So, so that's my kind of way of thinking. We we've talked a lot about books, um, and and it's it strikes me that that you, um, you you really are are interested in chess literature, and and you're familiar with quite a bit of it. Um, what what are your what are your favorite books, just both personally and and for chess improvers? Uh, chess. Oof. Uh, well, currently, a tough question, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's like asking parents what's their favorite child, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Depends on the day. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I think, I think, like from let's say purely chess literature, like, and, and I'm not even saying for improvement, I think that any writing by Jenna Sosonko is, I think, I, I could I could read that every every day, basically. It's uh, and so Jenna Sosonko was a Soviet. Player slash writer who defected to the Netherlands somewhere around Korchnoi, but but he wrote a series of books devoted to old Soviet players, uh, some very famous like Smyslov and uh, Bronstein, but also uh, like some very very outlandish like Chepukaitis and and, and uh, you know some like really hard, hard hardcore old old masters and those human stories. They are like he has a very beautiful and evocative way of writing. So, so I, I like and th- those books are probably my favorites from the top of my head. Even even the Bronstein book, yeah. I I don't know. I I when I when I read that, I found it, I found it very hard to read. I, I thought it was, and and maybe it was just because Bronstein was just such a difficult person to like. But it was it was so it was it was just it was ugly. I mean that that's the only word I have for it is ugly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe not not every book, but still, I, I think the Bronstein book was also very, very interesting. To be honest, um, yeah, I mean, but but that's 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 what I like about him. He doesn't try to portray a nice picture. I think he, I think he's very honest, and sometimes maybe even harsh in in like you through his books, you actually get the feeling you are talking to the character, and I think that's a skill that not like it, it's a very big skill, writing skill to 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 get that effect on the paper but but yeah I, I think maybe my favorite is uh, are those segments where he talks about Tao or I think one in one of the books uh, he talks about like depression in chess and then he talks about Alvir Vitovins who was mm-hmm. Tao's second who made us who committed suicide and 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 you know, about, about those like for example uh, evocative topics basically like depression and in some parts of the books he wrote, writes about chess and aging so so yeah like uh, I just love his books. Yeah. I don't know what to say. No, yeah. he, he is he is one of our finest authors. Um, mm-hmm. What what other books have 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 been important to you? Uh, well, well, I think uh, okay. From when I was, uh, I got a lot when I was young from Irving Chernev's books. Uh, the I, my most instructive games ever played. I think that one is it's a very simplified outlook on chess, but very crystal clear. And for like, I often recommend it to my students as well as any new McDonald book. Uh, like I like, I really like the uh, chess, no, the art of planning in chess. Uh, mm-hmm. That one was one of my favorites, but also the art, the chess, the art of logical thinking. I, I, I think that's the name. Yep, I think that is the title. 
yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like from the more advanced, I I enjoyed Gelfand books immensely. Uh, they are hardcore, but uh, I mean they are really really hardcore. Uh, I don't know. Like I recently read 100 Endgame Patterns. You must know, and it's an absolutely stunning and amazing book. Uh, which uh, yeah, like uh, it, it's a perfect. Like I'm already a fan of 110 games. You must know, and this is a perfect sequel, and maybe even more useful for an average club player. It, it's kind of similar in concept to to Shereshevsky because it kind of takes typical endgame positions and then teaches you how to of some typical techniques. Maybe you know it to be different way, but uh, I th- I thought it's it's fantastic, and I'm currently trying to solve the exercises from it. Uh, as we now, go, did, did are you reading that on chessable or are you reading that in in no, paper? No, uh, and paper, in paper. That one is not yet available in chess. Ah. So, All right, so, so when you're reading this, are you doing this blindfold? Or are you doing this on, on a screen or on a board? Uh, depends on the book. Uh, so, I'm, for example, I'm, I'm reading currently, uh, I, I'm reading uh, also uh, Attacking Manual by Agart mm-hmm. and also another fantastic book. But th- those are, let's say, a little bit more advanced, I would say, but uh, especially Agart. But f- there he has games. Where and and um, um, even though he did a really really good job of of uh, actually having the reader in mind and providing enough diagrams, I'm uh, I'm still using the I'm using the boards for, for the most of most of it. Like I combine, like I go through the book, I have set the board, and then there if there's a, a part of the book where I have trouble visualizing, I go to the board or something. But in some for 100 endgame patterns, most of them were relatively short, like diagram and a few moves. So I didn't need the board. So it depends on the book, I think. But I, I like just, you know, there's a some certain yes, solemnity in, in going to before sleep at 11 p.m., turning all the, all the electronics and then just view book and a board, right? I like uh, that. Yeah, that's well put. I like that. That's a beauty, yeah. Um, all of all of your interest in chess literature, I, I would assume, has sort of fed into your writing. Um, so, so tell us. So, you wrote a course. You you made a course on the modern defense for chessable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was three years ago already. Two, two and two and a half. That's what landed me the job at Chessable, actually. It, it yeah. it's, it's. I mean, when you say two and a half years ago, I mean, I'm sure it feels like a lifetime ago. Just for everything that has gone on in the world, but also just for you personally. Yeah, yeah, many changes, Corona, war, like yeah. yeah. It's been. I have a feeling like last two and a half years lasted ten years. Or yeah, it, it, I think I think everyone listening feels that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what other writing projects uh, have you have you been working on? Is there is there anything new that people may look may look to in the future? Uh, well, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm currently working on another chessable course, uh, which yeah, I hope they will still publish after everything I <laughs> said about their platform. But maybe they maybe they won't listen until the end. Then no one listens. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I do have some plans to get back into like my both my both my blogs and stuff are currently a little bit uh, yeah in hiatus. But I do have some ideas to get back there and on Quora. But uh, yeah, currently there's it's tough to to find time with all the with all the. Um, we told the you know creating coaching materials, doing students and writing that chess of course. So yeah. so yeah, it's, it's but I do like not nothing major, but something like that. I'm also writing a book of jokes in Croatian, but that's that's not probably very interesting to broader chess audience because yeah, you, you never know. Don't like jokes. Yeah. The chess players don't like jokes, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I, that's a stereotype. Okay. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, actually, a lot of chess players have a fantastic sense of humor, but most of them don't have any at all. So it's kind that's of that's true. Yeah. Um, last but not least, you're you're also an active chess player. 
Um, you yeah, are you yeah. are you're working on your own game. You're you're playing a lot. Um, I saw you you had a hundred and s- how how many moves was it against the Grandmaster where you had the three score sheets? Ah, it was an it, he's an IM, but uh, but one of he's the the, the Croatian. He was like the third in Croatian championship. Yeah, it was hundred and twenty something. I don't know. I, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, you but, you push the pain out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are you working on your game? Like, what are you doing to improve at your level? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm. I, it depends, but um, I'm like. I, so I was stuck at let's say. 2160 to 2200 rating for so long uh, that I, but I wasn't really working. And then in August last year, I decided to get a coach and I started working with the coach. And he outlined some sort of program that envisioned uh, yeah, regular playing, a regular uh, tactic study, a regular book reading, and, and, and such. So I'm not like, you know, I'm not doing anything, let's say, special. I'm, I'm reading a lot still. Uh, different books. I'm uh, doing one on one hour of tactics every day. Uh, whether it's like uh, he sometimes provides me some tactics, but I also whether it's solving something from 100 end games or or there there are like I'm also reading some good books like by Zenon Franco, uh, mm-hmm. also fantastic author. So like I'm solving some positions from the art of attacking chess. Um, if if I can, uh, and then I do a lot of uh, opening study because uh, one of the reasons why. Uh, why I was kind of stuck was that I played only the modern, uh, which is not maybe the best <laughs> best uh, best uh, adver- advertisement for my course. But once you get to twenty two hundred level and people start preparing, I mean it's good as a backup weapon, but you can't play only one line. I, I think that's actually true even for better openings than modern, let alone something that's objectively somewhat dubious. So I'm kind of trying to yeah refurbish my open op, uh, opening repertoire so that there goes a lot away and then I mean yeah in, in between I read on strategy or or I do some end games like uh, always repeat, repeating 100 end games or Dvoretsky is always a, a good idea so yeah I kind of vary vary between those those things but 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 I think one of the biggest things that helped me have some breakthrough is actually trying to. Uh, emulate or use all my brain cells when training like because a lot of the time I would just switch off when training and now with these solving tactics or solving actual positions or playing longer time control games I actually use my chess brain more often than in the past and that that yields some results immediately okay yeah. active learning very important indeed indeed um, and, and, and that's I think one of the problems with, with all digital things uh, not only chessable like they have the tendency to make you switch off your brain so I always recommend people solve solve t- tactics on pain on pen and pe- using pen and pamper, ideally from a book. But also, if you're you're doing woodpecker on chess, about try to write down the moves. So, yeah, the, yeah, the, it's um, a lot of a lot of people do recommend writing down your solutions. Um, and even mm. as you say, you can do that with with video if you're watching YouTube or something like that. You just hit pause and, and yeah, take yeah, the yeah. time and solve it, and then see if you're right. Or in my I case, mean, I'm not- see how badly I was wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's not like it's my novel. Like, I think in one of all the Perpetual Chess episodes, Agard said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like, I mean, I'm, I'm revolutionary I'm coming with <laughs> crazy ideas here. Well, good advice is good advice, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we go, um, I, I do want to ask you some questions. Um, here in America, we have a television show, or we used to have a television show called Inside the Actor's Studio. 
And okay. uh, this, this, the, the host would ask a series of questions to the guest. Uh, and the questions were based on a, on a series from a, a French television uh, with Bernard Pivot. And they themselves were based on questions from Marcel Proust. So I've modified these a little bit to avoid some, some, some topics that may not work for a family-friendly podcast. Okay. But um, I, I would like to ask you 10 questions and your answer should be just whatever comes into your mind. And, and you know, we're just trying to get a sense of Yeko the, the, the man. So Sure, sure, sure. All right. So adapted for cover stories, James Lipton's questionnaire for Vieco Nemec. All right. Vieco, what is your favorite word? Uh, lately, lately I, I, I'm fond of the word eunuch. Is that appropriate for family friendly Eunuch. Show? Yeah. As, as in... Um, uh, someone, uh, 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 someone who is castrated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? I've, why is that your favorite word? I don't know. Like I've been uh, to the big annoyance of my girlfriend. I've uh, we were to- to- analyzing some openings and such, like some quiet lines, and then I said, "Yeah, that's how eunuchs would play." And then it kind of stuck, and I started using it because I I, I call the uh, E four C six knight f three D five D three Karokan the eunuch Karokan, <laughs> and then and then she was like, oh, "Oh, that's 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 a stupid variation." But I beat the grandmaster lately with it, so it's like a, well, it, in a blitz in a blitz game, but still like it's 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 such a stupid opening, but it's ex- extremely effective. So so yeah, interesting. All right, this is we are learning a lot about you. What <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Oof. I'm, I'm wondering if I should say say this aloud, but uh, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, you you can pass if you want. It's okay. Yeah, I think I think it has to be like uh, <laughs> management, but okay. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Man- I, I think I think everyone everyone <laughs> has had that experience in their life. We all understand yeah. that. Yeah, or um, you can you, you can also use deadlines, but I think that that's dead, something of oh, those two, yeah. de- <laughs> Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> what, what is your what is your dream of happiness? Oof. Uh, dream of happiness. Ah, I'll go with the conventional uh, being the the best version of myself. That's not a conventional. Yeah. That's not a conventional answer at all. That's a good one. I like mm-hmm. that. Towards what faults or flaws do you feel most indulgent? Uh, you mean which I forgive the the easiest, yes huh? yes. Uh, oh, it's, uh, Yeah, I'm a bit, a bit stuck. Uh, maybe we can pause this. One. I, I wanted to say like uh, any, as long as the per- as as long as the person on the other side is willing to admit them or cor- or or correct them. Let's put it like this. That's May, or, or almost any, unless we are talking about something grave. But uh, yes. yeah, I I, I, th- I think I think uh, more forgiveness in the world would would do us a lot of a lot of good. So so yeah, I agree. But, who would you like to see on a new banknote? Uh, who would I like to see on a new banknote? Can I, if I say Vladimir Kramnik, is that cheesy? Or no. That's <laughs> okay, yeah, Vladimir Kramnik then. Vladimir for sure. Kramnik, okay. Yeah. What, what opening do you love? Modern defense, for sure. What opening do you hate? The London system. 
with my all desire and passion. You're, so you, you hate it from the black side or for the white side? Or both? From, from, uh, from more from black side. I, I sometimes play it from the white side. That's a disclaimer. But uh, but uh, nobody nobody has heard me say that. Yeah, but facing it with black is a nightmare. Uh, especially if you are playing all over it to the opponent and want to play for a win. That's yeah. just, that's just, yeah. What other profession besides your own would you like to attempt? Mm. What other profession other than my own? Um, well, I would definitely like to, to, to maybe be something that's in tune with nature. So either, either I can, I don't know if there's a technical profession like nature activist or, or just like so some, some, somebody who lives off grid or farmer or so, something mm. like, like that. That's, but in, in theory. What, what profession would you absolutely not like to try? Manager. (laughs) (laughs) Project manager, if we have to be more precise. I understand, yes. (laughs) Last question for you, Gecko. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I don't know. I don't know. Can I can I, can I quote uh, um, Rowan Atkinson? Uh, uh, so he he has a he has a clip where he's devil, and he awaits. Uh, he welcomes people uh, people in he- in hell, and then I think Christians arrive. Uh, no, no, atheists arrive, and he says, "Well, you must be, you must be feeling the right bunch of nitwits right now." <laughs> that would yeah. be, I think, I would like him to, to to look at me and say, "Well, you must be full like a fool right now, right?" <laughs> Man, this is this has been a very enlightening questionnaire. I I have enjoyed this. Um, Vieko, yeah. if if people are looking to find you, if they want to find your website, chessentials.com, Do you want to spell it for us? Yeah, C H E S S. E N T I A L S dot com. And if they want to find you on Twitter, is it is it is it, it the is same? The same. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, brilliant. And I think because of name is Twitter, I guess also works. And I, I think you're also you're also on Lee Chess. If, if they Google search you, they they search your name and Lee Chess, they'll find you there. Um, yeah, as, as as any of my opponents who have prepared for my games can probably. You got to have a burner. Show. You don't have a burner account. Oh, I have, I have, of course. <laughs> okay. Even I have a burner account. Nobody's yeah, preparing yeah. for me. Yeah. And let me just say, uh, it's it's involves hating the London, and it's amazing when you have a nickname that uh, that is something against the London system. How ma- much more often people play it against you? So what? it's so you talk about some pop psychology. This is you're you're getting yeah, yeah. your practice in, yeah. Indeed, indeed. indeed. <laughs> Gecko, this is this has been a really fun interview, and and I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to us, um, and I really appreciate the work you did on the cover story. I think our readers are are really going to enjoy it and and get a full sense of of what was involved in the Grand Prix. So, again, thank you so much, and um, yeah, I, I I hope people reach out. Yeah, thank you, John. It was it was really really fun, and uh, yeah, like um, I really appreciate the the opportunity and and this conversation, and and yeah, you you giving me a shot, and and I'm I'm happy it, it you you were satisfied, and I hope the readers will be as well, and 
yeah, this was great. And then, yeah, I, 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 I hope at some point you can maybe, we, I can maybe interview you for your blog because I, we, we spoke a lot about me, and, but I'm also curious about how you ended up during your dream job. Or, and, and yeah. And anytime your, you, you let me know story, and we'll yeah. do the interview. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, Brilliant. Kind of cool. All right. Thanks, Jacko. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Our podcast will return next month on the first Tuesday when we will again be making a deep dive into the pages of Chess Life magazine. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose educational mission is to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the Join button where you can find a membership option that is right for you. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print and digital copies of Chess Life or Chess Life Kids, and you help U.S. Chess grow the game. If you're already a member, consider clicking on the donate button at uschess.org. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Thank you and good chess. Chess.